When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hey, Score North listeners, it's Phil Mackey here. And starting Monday, September 23rd and running through Friday, September 27th, we at Score North are raising money to feed and change the lives of Twin Cities homeless. We're calling it Score North's Mission for Meals, supporting the Union Gospel Mission Shelter in St. Paul. We're auctioning off some awesome sports-related packages, including Twins playoff tickets with luxury transportation to the ballpark, a gopher football tunnel experience, a Vikings-Packers package, also live show sit-ins with Glenn Perkins, Alex Boone, and a lot more. Money raised will go directly into helping transform the lives of Twin Cities homeless. ScoreNorth.com slash Mission for Meals is where you can see all the packages. That's ScoreNorth.com slash Mission for Meals. Or if you just want to donate, you can go to the same website. $1.96 provides a meal and shelter for a homeless person. ScoreNorth.com slash Mission for Meals. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, Find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Big, they're fast, they're athletic, they're strong. They have a, they fit the scheme really well. They have some good inside players, good outside players. So certainly the the tape is impressive, and and we know that from last year. So our guys are up to the challenge. Kevin Stefanski describing our Score North team there. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, Jonathan Harrison producing. Declan is in the room for some reason as well. Um, so it's an exciting it's an exciting day here, Alex. Uh, we're going to be joined at three o'clock by Bobby Peters, who wrote a book on the Bears' offense. Uh, Judd Zolgad's going to come in. We're going to do some hot routes. We've got a lot going on today. I am getting more and more pumped as we get closer to this game. Listen, I'm super pissed right now because this game <laughs> is not the Sunday night game. I want to know who made this schedule and what they were thinking when they were like, you know what, this game has no meaning. Nobody cares. I mean, dude, you What's guys the Sunday are night game. Do we know? Uh, I, who even cares? It should be the Vikings versus the Bears. can't be better than this. It can't be. I mean, you're looking at this game, and every day you're right. You get a little more like, wow, this is going to be epic. <laughs> so I, I saw, oh, what do we got here? Ooh, Dallas-New Orleans, though. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. 
Had Drew been playing good. yet, I would have said it had been better. Okay, yeah. okay. that's true. Okay. That's true. You, you, always, that you have now Drew Brees bias because he was on your <laughs> touchdown team, and he's hurt, and you are super mad. <laughs> Listen, I feel terrible. I feel like I jinxed Drew Brees. I really do. The minute this injury happened, I was like, this is my fault. Like He's going to find out that I drafted him, and he's going to get pissed. Like, you, know, you know what's great is that it evens the fantasy t- or games like this, even the playing fields. Like, Declan doesn't know uh, anything. He didn't even know his players' names, and he's winning right now. <laughs> and you're it's losing. incredible. <laughs> It's incredible. I don't understand what's going uh, it's on. It's great. Uh, and, of course, we have uh, Jonathan and Declan have been keeping track of football terminology that has been used. And in our final segment, we're going to go over it um, from this week. But here's here's where I want to start a little bit is um, with the Bears and the Vikings. I think it's two franchises in a very interesting place because this feels like a huge game for the Vikings, not just as a team this year, but even in the kind of the direction of where they are as a franchise. Every big game in the division might have some implication on where you go long-term. And I feel like last year there was a major ripple effect from both Chicago Bears games in Soldier Field where you started to feel like maybe Kirk can't do this. And then uh, Week 17, obviously, they're booted out of the playoffs. And I, and I guess I wonder, Alex, what you think about the trajectory of both franchises. Like, Do you feel like the Vikings and Bears are in such a win-now mode that this game is enormous from even a bigger perspective than 2019? Or does that only exist for the Vikings? Uh, I think it's just for the Vikings. I think that the Bears are too young. You know, They have this young quarterback in Mitch Trubisky, and there's so many philosophies on how many years can you give a guy before you realize he's just a bust. And I think that people are starting to have less patience because the the – this is like such a big problem because there's so many things tied into it. And one of them is the salary cap. And people are getting paid so much money now that when you don't see results, people are more quickly to be like, hey, listen, we're paying you a lot of money and you're not producing. We didn't have these problems back in the day when guys were making less money because they loved making that money. Now you guys feel like you're entitled to this money. Mm-hmm. But we have a problem because we're not winning now. And now the fans are getting pissed and we're getting pissed. And the guys on defense are getting younger or aren't getting younger. They're only getting older. You know, you, you're running into so many things. Father time, the salary cap, the coaches span. How many times can you fool people before they go, I get what you're doing. I totally understand this now. And like, you know, and that to me is what's going on with the Bears. And I'm curious to hear from this guy at three o'clock as to what he thinks is, you know, I don't see this as a regression. I see this as people just catching on to what you were doing for a whole year and they go, you're not going to fool us anymore. Yeah. To- you just don't have a good enough quarterback to make up for that, right? Right, right. And, and to me, a regression would be Tom Brady has a great year. Tom Brady has a bad year. When Mitch Trubisky plays well enough to be a game manager and then the next year just keeps getting destroyed and maybe isn't such a good game manager anymore, I don't see that as a regression. I see that as teams going, okay, you just basically lying Tariq Cohen up every which way you can, motioning mm-hmm. Cordell Patterson everywhere over the field. You're, like, you know, you're basically giving all your playmakers the ball right now instead of letting Mitch Trubisky stand back there and make four different reads. Right, and because he can't do it. You I mean, can't just can't do make that. those throws. Right, and so the teams are going, oh, I get what you're doing. You're just using the whole field now. Okay, well, now we're going to spread out our defense, and for the fact that you can't really run block us that well, it's really just a lot of your running backs making these plays. We're just going to play you against nickel now. I mean, before it was like, wow, these guys are smoking people. I'm not so sure that getting rid of Jordan Howard wasn't a bad idea. Uh, Declan is deeply offended by that as he has suddenly become a huge Jordan Howard fan because of our touchdown draft. But to your point, that's what makes uh, uh, the question I put out on Twitter kind of interesting to me about the Vikings and Bears and which one you would rather be 
over the next five years? Because there's a case to say, you know what, if the Bears decide to go all in on Mitch Trubisky and give him some humongous contract down the road, then they're going to be bad for probably a long time. Or mm-hmm. they're, they're, they basically cap themselves. Like, right. yeah, you might be able to get to the playoffs with him, but you're probably not getting much farther than that. But there's also the case to be made that they have a really strong infrastructure, and if they decided after this year, yeah, this isn't our guy, we're going to draft someone else and sunk costs be damned, or we're going to trade for someone. Maybe Josh Rosen gets to play for a good team someday. I don't know, right? Um, that, that the Bears would be in a position to be really, really good if they had someone else playing quarterback. Did you just say Josh Rosen? Playing better than Mitch Trubisky? Well, play, no, playing for a good team someday. He played oh, for a tanking team last year and a tanking team this year. Oh. The, poor, the poor guy. I mean, look at the offensive line for they're Arizona terrible. and for Miami. I mean, my gosh. Yeah, they're bad. I mean, that, that poor guy, he's taking more hits than anybody. But I, I, I hear what you're saying. My question is this. Can you move on from Mitch Trubisky after what is, has what has it been, two years, three years? Is, is it time to say, hey, you know what? Listen. Khalil Max on one side. We got Akeem Hicks over there. We got Trevathan. We got Roquan Smith. We got Prince Mukamura. If we could just get a halfway decent quarterback, boy, we could really be lights out, couldn't we? But I'm not wondering if your time hasn't passed with Vic Fangio leaving. I feel like when I'm looking at this defense, if there was any regression on this team, it would maybe be on the defense a little bit. Do you not see that? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, okay. even even the amount of talent, it's not going to yeah. be the same because Vic Fangio is a brilliant dude, and even um, just the drop-off there. I think about this for the Vikings, too. If the Vikings had someone else as their defensive coordinator, even with this talent, it might not be the same because they've right. been running this system for a long time. They all know the ins and outs of it, and I think I've realized more and more the value of that as I have consistently said, well, maybe they should move on from this guy, or maybe they right. should sign this guy off of free agency and they stick with the same guys and they develop them and all of a sudden J. Ron Curse is good at football and right. Anthony Harris, you're like, wait a minute, two years ago I didn't even we didn't even talk about these guys and all right. of a sudden they're key players on the defense. I think that that has a lot to do with scheme and Vic Fangio not being there Okay, you beat the hell out of Washington. You held down Green Bay, but Rodgers is washed. So it's not super <laughs> impressive uh, early on. And I think we're going to get a real feel for that um, in terms of the things we can learn from this game on Sunday. Just how good they really are. Because if they kick Kirk Cousins' face in again, then we're going to say, uh, okay, maybe there isn't going to be a huge regression there. Right. Well, I'm not saying it's a huge regression. I'm just saying they look a little bit sloppy. There's mm-hmm. things that, as an offensive player, I see them do that you're like, man, with Vic, they did not do that. And and listen, Rome was not built in a day. Vic was there for a very long time, and he instilled a lot of core principles over a long time. And at the end, what did they do to kind of like Frankenstein themselves to life? They got Khalil Mack, and everybody right. was like, oh my God, are this, this team for real now? So... When Vic left, you you obviously are always going to take a step back because a new coach coming in, people are like, "Hey, do we really are we really buying into this program?" I don't know. I mean, he says he's going to be like Vic, but he's not. He's obviously not going to be as cool as Vic. He's not going to let us roam around and do what we got to do because Vic knew who we were. So, I think you, when you're looking at this, you're saying, "Hey, it's just a kind of a little bit of a tweak here and there." Because what makes this defense really tick and what makes them so special is that they can rush four and be the most lethal defense at any moment. Right. Like. When you're looking at teams, and, and I know we were supposed to have somebody else on earlier on, to talk on the show, and I was curious to see what his input was on what makes a great offensive line. Like, what do you, what are you looking for? Because I had listened to some of the things he had said, and he said, listen, old linemen don't have a lot of stats, which is true. We don't, which is great because you can't ever judge me by that. 
But what you say is, we want, you know, he said, we judge you by what you, we see, what you look like. Well, to me, what does that mean? For me on this defense, when you're looking at it, there's certain things that they do that are just sloppy. And I know that Vic wouldn't have allowed it. And I'm wondering if maybe it's not the team just a little bit, hey, we didn't play in the preseason, right? We haven't played any live games. We're kind of coming together now. When you take time off like that and you miss these games and you're starting to gel like week three and four and now you've got to play a really tough Minnesota team, if you lose that game, it's got to be on the coach, right? For You mean for Chicago or for Minnesota? Yeah, for Chicago. Because Chicago. You, yeah. technically you're not ready. You were, you know, you didn't play in the preseason. We didn't do any of that. Everybody warned us, hey, listen, you got a young quarterback. That's a no no. <laughs> this dude needs to get hit a couple times. He needs to know what it's like to be under mm-hmm. pressure. That's what makes a quarterback great. I mean, when you're talking about the greatest quarterbacks to play, it was the guys that could look at a blitz, know that it was going to hit them right in the teeth, and still deliver a perfect strike. So, so uh, I will say, Brandon Thorne might have to reschedule him to next week because yeah. this week he had something come up and, and he had to bail on us. But that's why Bobby Peters is coming on uh, to break down the Bears' offense. Uh, now, here's uh, here's where it's interesting um, to me, Alex, when it comes to the Bears' defense is can the amount of sheer ridiculous talent that they have up front, and that even includes beyond Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, I mean, guys like Trevathan that you mentioned, and Eddie Goldman is a monstrous nose tackle. Mm-hmm. I mean, can, can they make up for some level of sloppiness, or are there areas that you see specifically that the Vikings can take advantage of with their offense against the Chicago team? See, <laughs> there's some things that... You know, and, and you're looking at this and you go, well, maybe it was because they were playing Washington. <laughs> I mean, Washington's right. offense looks sloppy yeah. enough. So you throw a great defense against it, and all of a sudden, somehow everybody looks a little sloppy. So I think there's things that when you're looking at it, you go, hey, listen, if we had a time to strike, now would be the time. Right now, the thing that I'm really kind of rolling with is that Akeem Hicks is probably not going to be 100%. Mm-hmm. Yep. He didn't practice yesterday. He didn't practice today. If he doesn't practice tomorrow, there's doubtful he's going to play. If you lose Akeem Hicks, this game is a completely different game. Totally agree. You, 100% I'm rolling with the Vikes walking through to kick some teeth in. And yes, Khalil Mack might get one or two sacks, but he is not going to be anything near what he could be if Akeem plays. But mm-hmm. When you're looking at this, you say, hey, listen, they're getting a little sloppy in this area. When they're tracking backside, they're getting a little bit slower. They're, you know, there's, there's things that you see, the tackling sometimes. It's like poor tackling. Uh, but then there's times that they show up and you're like, man, that's a Vic Fangio defense right there. Mm-hmm. Like Three guys make it look like there's ten guys consuming the ball carrier. You're like, wow, that is impressive to watch. But then three plays later, you're watching the three technique get driven across the field. He, you know, that's another thing that makes their defense so good is that Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman are so good at sucking up offensive linemen. It's like they just bear hug everybody, and it pisses me off because when somebody bear hugs you in a game, there is nothing more like get off of me than you like you like go into like little kid mode and start freaking out like get like your big brother grabs you like you get off me you know. And they start laughing. But you're watching these games. They just suck these O-linemen up. And yeah. Trevathan and Roquan just have the freedom to be like these incredible linebackers all over the field. So if you take him off the field, I think you're going to have a lot more success. And I think most offensive linemen would uh, attest that they don't call defensive holding very often. Which they should. Which I mean, they should if, because if they're breaking the rules, then yeah, I don't want more penalties, but yes. I mean, I've had a couple. I've been in hell a couple times, and I go to the ref like, "Hey, you you see this, right?" He's like, "Listen, I'm really not going to be the guy to throw the flag on the defensive <laughs> holding." Really, that's your excuse, yeah, Carl. Yeah. That's your excuse. Carl. Way to go. <laughs> Thanks, Carl. Thanks, Carl.
Um, okay, Alex, we're going to take a break in a second here, and then Jonathan has put together some buy or sells with the Vikings, Bears, and in the yes. NFL. Yes, and then hot routes later. This is a great day for you. Um, but first, poll question. I put it up there on my Twitter. Would you mm-hmm. rather be the Vikings or Bears for the next five years? And not surprisingly, people are voting 70-30 Vikings, uh, about 500 votes coming in. Which way would you vote? I'm going to say the Vikings only because, listen, with this, I, th- I think you have a better chance of getting a quarterback sooner here than you do there. And that's that's my biggest reason. And I think if you can get a new quarterback here, man, it could be exciting. And, and you know where I think that people might get fooled is if Trubisky wins games. And they say, right. well, look, he wins, you know? So he's been winning, and we've made the playoffs twice with him. So, uh, you know, how coaches tend to convince themselves, especially <laughs> Nagy, a quarterback guy, like, right. oh, I could get the most out of this guy. I can make him change. I'm a genius. Right. And you really can't change a tiger's stripes. And so I think here, at least at the moment, a lot of people with the Vikings organization are even looking at Cousins saying, well, basically, if he doesn't prove us this year that he can get to the playoffs, win these big games, that we know what we're going to do. And you're not locked into him for a long period of time, which I think is a major benefit. And as long as you have this running back, these receivers, young offensive linemen who are going to continue to get better, like you're you're in a pretty good spot there. I just wonder about a team that is driven so much by defense that I can't see being this great at defense for five more years, right? No, no. And, and that was my biggest thing to you on Tuesday was everybody says this team's so good because their defense, obviously. I mean, the offense is not going crazy right now. But what, when you're saying that you believe a team's great because their defense, you're basically saying that the opposing offense sucks so bad that the defense <laughs> is doing so good. So you have, you've literally gone away from your own team to say, hey, listen, our team's so good that your opposing team sucks so bad that we're not even worried about you. But the problem is you're going to run into teams that are really good, right. the Pat Mahomes, the Tom Brady's. You can't mm-hmm. expect your defense to always bail you out. And to be honest, I've played in the locker room, and I know how those guys think. After a while, they're like, we're not going to carry this team forever, guys. Right. Okay, We would love to. Because if that were to happen, the Bears would have won it last year. They would have carried that team on forever. I mean, that's just how it would have gone. But eventually, there's an offense that you're going to meet that you're like, hey, listen, these guys have pulled out all the stops. We got nothing. We have no answers. And unless you guys can put up 35 points, we're going home for the rest of the season. Yeah. And, and you, uh, that, that's when you see those teams at the playoffs. That's so where you need. Well, so, sorry. I, I get frustrated sometimes when people will tweet me and say, oh, well, Zimmer's defense hasn't shown up in this big game or that big game. And you're like, man, you, are you allowed to score also? Right. <laughs> The ball goes two ways, and the defense will always say, hey, listen, guys, we're going to do whatever we got to do, just like the offense will always say that to you. We're right. always going to try and do what we can do, but we can't always put up 21 points. We can't always you know, run the clock out with four minutes left. Believe me, if we could, we really wanted to, guys. <laughs> we tried really hard, but they look at you like, "Did you? were you even trying? I saw you out there. That effort looked like loafing, and now i got to go out here and try and stop this run. And you're like, listen, man, I'm really sorry. Okay, I I gave it the best I could. Those guys get tired, too. It's easier to score points than it is to keep points out, and that's always been my opinion. And I see those guys on defense, and they're like, hey, listen, you have to cut us some slack. We can't always be out on the field. And now the nice thing is when you're looking at this offense for the Vikings, it's predicated on the run. So you're going to be draining the clock down. You're going to be taking time off the clock. You're never really in a hurry-up situation. You're never really in a like, hey, we need to go, or the defense comes back out there gassed. I mean, when you can run the ball and wind the clock down, you give your defense a little bit of a break. 
Uh, let's take a break. Now, you mentioning locker room dynamic, I have something very important to run by you when we return <laughs> about a situation that could be brewing that I think this week will dictate how several players in the locker room feel about this offense. We will discuss that. Jonathan has buyer sells. When we return, hot routes coming up. Bobby Peters, who literally wrote a book on the Chicago Bears offense. lot to go here on Purple Daily. Alex Boone, Matthew Collar. Uh, but before we take that break, I have to tell you about the Purple Daily experience that you can win um, via a Score North auction for Mission for Meals. Okay, so go to scorenorth.com slash mission for meals, and here's what you can win if you win this auction. Four lower-level tickets to Vikings Packers on December 23rd. You also get a $200 restaurant voucher to Red Cow or Red Rabbit. You also get the in-studio experience with myself and Alex Boone, which... It's an experience. And uh, 100% of those proceeds go to Union Gospel Mission. So go to scorenorth.com slash mission for meals. And if you cannot win that auction, $29 of donation uh, buys a week's worth of meals for a homeless person in need. So go there, scorenorth.com slash mission for meals. We will be right back here on Purple Daily on Score North. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's northmemorial.com slash family. I think Irv's a young player. It was nice to see him making those plays in that ball game. I think there's more there, and it's just a matter of him working. He's a rookie. He's also a very young player, uh, age-wise. So he works every day really hard. I think he and Brian Periani have spent a ton of time together in that meeting room. So I think there's definitely more there. It's just a matter of uh, hard work getting getting it out of him. That was Kevin Stefanski, offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. Alex Boone, Matthew Collar here on Purple Daily. Uh, uh, give me that. I'm going to throw a grade at you today. And I told Kevin Stefanski about this, and he was underwhelmed. But pro football focus, <laughs> pro football focus uh, studies things like play calling and success, uh, uh, you know, versus situation Stupid. and things okay. like that. Yeah, right. Yeah. I know how okay. you feel. Um, yeah. And I told Kevin Stefanski, I said, "Did you see that they have you as the fourth best play caller in the NFL so far this year?" And uh-huh. he said, "What does that mean?" <laughs> and and I just said, "Well, you know, they they try to basically see what you got out of situations and and plays and players and so forth." And uh, question, I, yes, okay. So I'm glad you brought this up because I was thinking about this today because I was thinking about this Bears defense, right? And we we're just talking about regression and they're gonna have a natural regression. <clears throat> the reason I don't like PFF is because they take in so many stupid little variables. If Everything was accurate that people were saying. And say Vic Fangio really was the greatest coach. Why is his team, who's also one of the better defenses in the NFL, why are they 0-3? It's like, and why do they not have a sack in three games? I mean, there's so many things that make me say, listen, 
players are great, right? And they're great, and smart coaches will know how to use you. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, when you look at these websites like PFF, and they're like, you are the fourth best play caller. No, you're not. Your running back is incredible. <laughs> your quarterback is great at being a game manager, and your defense is stellar. So... That's why you're for like, that's the quick little why I don't like PFF. If you were wondering, yeah, no, I think that it would be all sort of part of those things of like your running back is incredible, but your play calling and your play design and I mean this goes into Rick Dennison too, and even your offensive line and how they're built, they all play into that. So if you're dialing up plays for your running back that are consistently working versus what he's giving you, um, then, yeah, I think you are probably doing a good job as a coach. I mean, I I agree with you that it's very, very tricky to try and figure out who is doing the best job for offensive coordinators. The other guys they have on the list, Andy Reid, Kellen Moore, and Greg Roman, and I think that those three are doing a good job. I know you're not a Roman fan, but... No, I love Roman. I just think, like, that's all such low-hanging fruit. Yeah, Andy, <laughs> Andy Reid is good. Right. We right. know that he is. He's great. Yes. He's yeah. one of the best. So we've got that. But anyway, so I said that the I said it to Kevin and he sort of laughed at me like, I don't know what that means. And uh anyway, so I don't know where this was going other than to say that here's one thing that is facing Kevin Stefanski that I think is going to be a challenge for him. It is working the way that they've played so far. It worked in Green Bay. They should have won. They should have handed off to Delvin Cook and had him run right into the end zone and win the football game. So even that worked. There were open receivers who were missed, which is good play calling and bad execution against Green Bay, too. And I disagreed with the play call at the end of the game, but uh, they drove down the field, were right there in a position to win, and all they need their quarterback to do is to throw it out of bounds. But Mm. my question is, though, Alex... If Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, and Kyle Rudolph keep not catching footballs, hmm. what will happen in the locker room with them? Mm. Mm. I think that people can say whatever they want, but it, it'll start to get a little anarchy-ish. I mean, it's only natural for a playmaker to want the ball, right? Like, I want the ball too, mm-hmm. guys. I want to be able to... And when they're looking at it, they're like, well, it's not really me that's the problem. You know what I'm saying? It's like the, you're in the relationship and you're like, it's not me, it's you. Maybe not like you know. No, no, no. Really says everyone's like, "Not you, it's me." Like mm-hmm. they're they're looking at the quarterback. Like, dude, listen. The reason I'm not getting the ball is because nobody's trusting you. They're not not trusting me because right. Thielen's one of the best route runners. Right. We in the trust NFL. Thielen and Diggs. Yes, no question. We trust Rudy. No question. I mean, he's got some big bear mitts and he knows how to grab the ball. <laughs> but it's the guy getting them the ball. So I think that eventually they're going to go to the coaches and go, "Hey, listen. This is this has got to end. Mm-hmm. I got to get the ball somehow." I got to get a jet sweep. I got to get a quick screen out of there. I got to do something. Get me the ball. I'm a playmaker. I want to help this team. If it weren't for anything other than the fact that these guys are just so competitive that they're going to be like, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of this win. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm doing anything. Right. I'm a receiver and I'm getting paid right now to block for the running back. That's all I've done for three games. So if you don't open up this offense for me, I'm going to start getting pissed because I don't feel like I'm helping attribute to any of this. Right, and I think if you're Stefan Diggs, you're probably particularly annoyed by this because people talk about Adam Thielen as the top receiver right. on the team because he has, I mean, they're both excellent, uh, but he has the right. um, you know higher fantasy numbers pretty consistently and things like that from Diggs. And when you watch closely on the coaches' tape, Stefan Diggs is route running He's open a lot, and he's really, really damn good at football. And if you're him, you might look at the other receivers in the league who have similar efficiency numbers to yours and go, man, if I could get a few more footballs, that next contract will be unreal, right? And if you have six catches through three games, you certainly don't feel that way. Here's 
So, so this is where PFF is useful, Alex. Stats like this. When the ball is being thrown to Stephon Diggs, last three years, quarterback rating, 106.2, 116.7, and 107.9. Basically, you are turning into the best quarterback in the league when you throw it to Stephon Diggs. So to not be throwing it to Stephon Diggs, uh, he would be correct in his analysis if he said, you guys should really be working me the ball more often. And I could see, and I'm pointing it at him, but I think it's everybody. Rudolph doesn't like this either when he doesn't get the ball. I, I mean, I think that if this week we don't see those guys featured a lot more in this offense, that there is the potential for them to get frustrated, even though... They are a winning team at the moment, even though these guys have contracts. They also have pride in what they do, too, and believe that they're among the best in the NFL. I agree. And I, I don't know if maybe maybe Rudy doesn't care as much. I think that when you're a tight end, you kind of play that role, and you're like, listen, I'll get what I can get, and I'll be happy with what I get. But for sure, Stephon Diggs, just because, like you had mentioned before, everybody already crowns Thielen like the number one receiver. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves him because his route running is incredible. And you look at these guys and you're like, man, they're always open. That's because nobody's going to press these guys. What moron in their right mind besides Deion Sanders would be like, you know what? I'm going to play press coverage against the two best receivers in the NFL. Tampa God Bay. Forbid they be- That's who did it. Oh, do you yeah, remember well, that, that was game in 2017? Smart. Tampa Bay played cover three the whole game and they just threw it up to Diggs and Thielen. It's like you are. I mean, stupid. why wouldn't you? You're right. You throw. You all you have to do is throw a fifty-fifty ball, and it becomes hundred percent with they'll both of them. It. I mean, they, they'll throw. I'll catch you any ball. Just throw it up. Just you know what, Kurt? Just throw it up halfway. And they got to think. Right now in the locker room, there those two guys are thinking. There's no way that we're throwing the ball more than twenty times this week. Right. Not a chance. Yeah. Because we're. I mean, you should. I think you should just play action the hell out of them the whole game. I think you should run naked in boots. I wouldn't do the powers and the counters so much, but I would. I would have the quarterback on the move. I'd be throwing. I'd be throwing the ball everywhere. I would use their everything against them. And when you do that, you can throw the ball 30 times. But when you're like, hey, listen, we're going to just stick to what we know, and it's a safe bet, we're going to run the ball, and we're going to try and pass it maybe 15 times, you're right. Somebody eventually is going to be like, hey, listen, I'm here to catch balls, not block people. We have a major problem. I need to go somewhere. I either need to go somewhere or you need to give me the ball too because I want to play. And and I'm wondering right now if if somebody's not in there like, hey, guys, not this week, but next week we'll show up. Sure, in New York. Yeah, everybody gets (laughs) 10 catches in New York. That defense is abysmal. I would expect no less than 320 yards passing from Kirk Cousins in that game. But this is the one that matters. Like they know they're gonna, right. they're no, they know they're gonna beat up on that Giants um, defense. And then Mike Zimmer and this defense against rookie quarterbacks usually dominates. So that one is more than likely a, a very successful win. But they don't care about that. They know that they could beat right. that team. It's this game and. I guess I was thinking about last year and how the game plan went against Chicago, which was abysmal in the blocking schemes, I thought specifically. If Riley Reef is out on an island with Khalil Mack, one time, okay, but a lot of times, no, that's a bad idea. And there was a handoff where Rudolph is supposed to handle Khalil Mack one-on-one. Like, good luck. It was a fumble, yeah. of course, right? So I, I mean... Wh- Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I think they struggled in that area, and they won't in this now with Rick Dennison and clearly better coaching on the offensive line. But this is an opportunity in my mind, Alex, to line up Thielen in the slot and get quick slants and and throw those quick balls out to Stephon Diggs and let him make plays because you know there's going to be a lot of pressure. It is going to be hard to sit in the pocket for a long time and throw deep. So if you want to get these guys the football and let them make plays, maybe the quick game is the way to do it. Right, and why not just do some RPOs? I mean, why not keep this team in nickel? I mean, 
say, hey, listen, let's see if Akeem Hicks is really going to play. And if he is, let's just keep this team in nickel and run RPOs the whole game. Right. I mean, Rudy, you want to be a part of this game? You could be our quick why hide across. You know, you could get digs open quickly. You could get you know, feeling open quickly. You get the chance to get Delvin Cook the ball. And you're in a, against a nickel defense like Delvin Cook versus Roquan Smith. Hmm, let me think real quick. Who am I going to take? Like, that could be our neck roll of the week next week. It's going to be <laughs> yes. so exciting. Yes. But you're right. Take everything that they do well and use it against them. Hey, listen, they have a great pass rush. Don't even let them get that pass rush started. We're gonna we're gonna play action. We're gonna run the ball. We're gonna RPO them. We're gonna throw quick screens, quick slants. Everything's gonna be quick. If it's over five step, Khalil Mack has to be chipped and wedged by somebody. Mm-hmm. If there's just, I mean, you watched last week's game, and I'm not saying that for any reason that Washington has a good OI because even Brandon Sheriff looked. Horrendously bad by getting okie doked by Danny Trevathan. I don't know if anybody saw oh, that. Yeah, the uh, what do they call that? Coffee house dude, rush or something, right? That's the that, that's the no no. I mean, dude, you can never fall for the no no. <laughs> he looks in like the twist is coming, and it, Brandon Sheriff, a Pro Bowl player, actually fell for that. I mean, hysterically bad. But you're watching the game plan, and it's Vernon Davis on a Y hide to block Khalil Mack alone. Who thinks of this? These guys have written down so many terms in the last five minutes to ask you at the end of the show. But uh, the the, the rush that you're talking about is basically where the guy starts to come in and then pretends like he's going to drop back and then rushes anyway. And then the lineman falls asleep and then there's a sack. Yeah, he's basically he's basically looking in like you're about to get picked, and as the offensive lineman looks in to see him get himself get picked, nobody's coming. The linebacker just walks in and drills your quarterback. <laughs> I mean, totally embarrassing. Not a good look. No, a good look. I mean, you should be ashamed for sure. But so, well, let me uh, let me circle back on a point that you were making though, which I think is important here. That uh, the, the there is a huge role that Kirk Cousins plays in this conversation about the receivers and wanting to get the football and having pride in the numbers that they put up and the success that they've had. Because even with Case Keenum, when they were trying to run a lot, but these guys were still getting their numbers, still playing a huge, huge role in the offense. Even uh, Well, they didn't play so much with Teddy Bridgewater, these two in particular. But um, I, I think it does reflect on the quarterback when you, the head coach goes to the podium and says, yeah, we want to be pretty much handed off. And then right. give him play action so it's easier on him. I right. mean... That's not something Tom Brady's better with play action, but he doesn't need it. He can three step for five step for seven step drop and throw wherever he wants to throw. No one would ever say, even though the Patriots are great at running the ball, they'd never say, yeah, that's all we want to do because, you know, we got a good running back. <laughs> like, no, right. they have Tom Brady. Uh, and I, I think that there could be d- d- very much depending on what happens this week, some looks over in his direction like 28 million to not throw me the ball, eh? <laughs> Twenty-eight million is that his nickname for you now? Twenty-eight million. Well, I mean, if people you could reference twenty-eight million, eighty-four million, but you can't tell me, Alex, that inside the locker room they don't know exactly what your cap hit is. Oh, I, I agree. I don't. I think they all know exactly where his locker is too, and how to look at him from theirs. It's just <laughs> there's uh, you're and, you know people they, they look at me and they're like you know that's just such a terrible thing. It has nothing to do with money. Like it, it really doesn't. It has to do with the fact that these guys are just so competitive that they're mm-hmm. like I want to be a part of this game plan. I want to be a part of this team too. I don't just want to go run around and run decoy routes and watch my quarterback get hit and throw the ball into the ground. Like I want to be the guy that's 
out here causing threats. And when you talk about guys like Tom Brady, the reason Tom Brady can stand back there for a seven-step drop is because he has so much respect that if you rush more than three against Tom, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. Like you might as well just try and put all 11 guys in the back end and just let him get comfortable and throw it. Like, find your window, I dare you. You'd have better, you'd have better luck doing that. But when you talk about a Kirk Cousins and you're talking about like this, hey, listen, we're going to make this play action easier – Eventually, he's going to get really good at it, and then that's going to become something teams are going to go. Right, listen, we got to watch this now because now he's getting good at this, and then right. all of a sudden the play, the passing game opens up, and then everything opens up. You know, it's like it goes from run game. Once you get the run game open, well, then the play action game opens. Once you get the play action game open, then your pass game opens. Then you're free to do whatever you want because everybody fears at every aspect of the game, and they're like, listen, no matter what they do, we have to go with them. We can't just play them nickel the whole game. We have to play them base if they go twelve or thirteen because if they do go you know a run action or a, they really run they go, we have to stop it eventually we're going to have to stop this run play so it's just you know talking about time you're not I, I feel like people are listening and they're probably thinking that we bash Kirk a lot and we don't we're just saying listen in order to open up this pass game you have to make better decisions and you have to get the play action game going and you have to get rid of the ball now a lot of that falls on the coaches got to get them some hot routes but once that opens up then Thielen and Diggs can really have some fun yeah, and we saw that Cousins is absolutely capable of getting Thielen and Diggs the football last right. year. It just that opposing teams made adjustments throughout the season, and I don't think the Vikings had the personnel to make the counter punch that they didn't have Jarius right there anymore, who you played with. You know, right. that Jarius is like no catches the whole game in the fourth quarter. It's third down and 13. He gets a catch. Huge like, catch. Yep. Huge catch. The, every time with him. And uh, they didn't have that last year. They had Laquan Treadwell playing a lot, and that wasn't great. So this is where Irv Smith, I think, and, and Tyler Conklin, even potentially other guys come into it, is do you have answers? But not being able to get Thielen digs the ball so far, it does sort of create this little bit of a cloud. Like this, this cloud is not thundering and lightning and starting things on fire just yet, but it's starting to gather, you know, and I I feel that with Diggs and Thielen and Rudolph. So let's take a break. We're going to come back buy or sell. Jonathan has put a few of those together, one of Alex's favorite games. We'll look at the matchups. We've got some hot routes to talk about, and Bobby Peters, who literally wrote a book on the Bears offense, will come up at three. So lots still to go here on Purple Daily on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business? Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. Jonathan Harrison here with the Score North download for this hour. We'll start off here. Popped up. Coming in is Crone. He makes the catch. And with it, a magic number of one. And now the one-two. That'll do it. That'll do it for Cleveland this year. The Twins clinched the AL Central last night. They're on their way to the playoffs. They'll face either the Yankees or the Astros, preferably the Yankees. And the Twins are continuing that celebration today by currently mashing the Detroit Tigers. 10-4, Williams Astadio just hit for the fourth time today, his first career four-hit game, and it was a home run there. 10-4 right now for the Twins in the top of the eighth. The countdown to the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon Weekend is on. If you're not running, be one of the 4,000 volunteers 
will make this annual community jewel sparkle. Whether you help at the expo or on the course or at the finish line, you'll find your efforts satisfying and appreciated. Visit tcmevents.org forward slash volunteer to learn more and sign up. No, I, I block those guys a lot. I'm planning on probably blocking them a lot again this weekend. So uh, when you have good rushers like that, uh, that's kind of our responsibility to help the big guys out. And you know, every once in a while, you got to give them a break. You can't leave them on an island each and every play. Minnesota Vikings tight end Kyle Rudolph there, Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, and next hour we'll have Bobby Peters on. We'll also have Judd Zolged in studio because he heard there were going to be hot routes. So <laughs> it's like it's like the bat signal goes up. We're like, hey, Judd, I'm writing some hot routes. Huh? <laughs> Matt, uh, I have a question. Yeah, sure. Am I am I allowed to ask Bobby Peters why he wrote a book about the Chicago oh, Bears? Oh, sure, absolutely. Okay. Like, you had nothing better to do uh-huh. than to write about the Chicago Bears? It's all a, the teams. It's a great question. Okay. I'm just making sure. Uh, let's get to some buyer sales Jonathan has put together. Let's get right to them. Let's go, Jonathan. Football music. Go. Use your use your offensive line voice, Jonathan. Ooh, I don't have that. <laughs> nope, I don't nope, have an don't. offensive line voice. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Buy or sell. We'll start off with the offensive line here. Buy or sell <laughs> that this offensive line that has allowed only two sacks all season can keep the Bears under two sacks on Sunday. The Bears have 11 sacks on the season. I'm going to say... Buy because Akeem Hicks is not playing and he's going to be a huge reason why that they were so disruptive going forward. I mean, when you look at this team, obviously bringing edge pressure is always you know going to affect the quarterback. But what's the biggest thing they do? They just step right up. When you can't step up, that's mm-hmm. when the edge pressure becomes so effective. And everyone's like, "Oh my God, these defensive ends are great." Yeah, because the quarterback had nowhere to go. So I think that I'm going to have to sell this one. And I think that without Akeem Hicks, they they're not going to be this sack house team that they think they are. That's usually how the show sounded before you joined, is I just came on and said, these defensive ends are great. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot like that. <laughs> that was my analysis. <laughs> uh, you know what? I am going to I'm going to buy that they get more than two sacks, but I also think that the Vikings are going to have a much better scheme than they did last year against this Bears defense. And so even though Kirk Cousins will get taken down a couple of times, I think that they'll allow less consistent pressure, especially since they got to see the Packers. I think that was a good tune-up for them to get a look at a team that was just more talented than you on that side and make some adjustments off that game. So I will buy it, but I'll say that they'll do better. All right, we'll stick with the offense here. Buy or sell that Dalvin Cook will once again rush for 100 yards on Sunday. He's done it each of the first three weeks of the season, but the Bears haven't let a player rush for 100 yards since, I think, 2017. Yikes. Yeah, I was reading that this morning. Listen, I'm going to have to buy it. I'm all in on the Delvin Cook. I think this kid's tough. I think that the zone play is strictly built for him. I mean, it gives him so much freedom to make a decision on where he wants to go. And it's like he's predetermined in his mind how the entire play is going to play out because there is no hesitation in his ability to move. When he, I mean, everything is north and south, and it's incredible to watch. I mean, he's just tough as nails. I think that he definitely goes over 100 this week. I am going to sell that he goes over 100, but with a little asterisk that caveat that caveat. he is more involved in the passing game. He's only got, what, five or six catches so far this year. I think he could get five, six, seven catches just in this game, especially on screens. They try to get the Bears over pursuing, coming after Cousins, and then he slips out creates big plays that way. I think that they know it's going to be tough to run, even if Hicks isn't in the game. Um, so they're going to try to design a little bit around that to still get him the football. Okay, let's uh, move outside of the Vikings-Bears game this weekend. 
Adam Schefter went on Get Up this morning and kind of speculated that Patrick Mahomes is likely to sign a $200 million contract this offseason. Buy or sell $200 million for Patrick Patrick Mahomes. How many touchdowns do you have now for my team, Alex? I don't want to talk about it. That should have been like the one pick you couldn't make. The one guy that should have been excluded was like, the leading Like Madden 04 no. Michael Vick, like you can't it's use him? ridiculous. Yeah, you can't. That's, that's so unfair. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I saw the order, I was like, okay, so Pat Mahomes is for sure gone. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. okay. Same here. Got as soon as I saw the order with that number one pick, I said, well, I'm not going to have a tough decision here. Had Adam Schefter said $300 million, I still would buy it. Absolutely. I mean, same here. You're talking about a guy who's in his prime early in his career. I mean, he he can't be older than like 23 years old, and he's already this good. He could be this good for 10 more years. And you know what? I think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to have the cash. I think that they're going to make oh, yeah. the money by <laughs> going to AFC Championships and Super Bowls with Patrick Mahomes that they'll make just enough to be able to afford um, to give Patrick Mahomes a lot of that money. So, yes, I'm going to buy. Give him all of your cash. So the- but it brings up a good point. Do you think that Andy Reid and this this relationship will work for the next 10 years? Mm. That's, I think it will, yeah. I think it okay. will. I think he's I think so, he's yeah. creative, and he seems to find the way to get the most out of just about anybody. And even He sure does. I mean, so Tyreek Hill is out, and they bring in another guy who's just a fast guy, and he's wide open. <laughs> he's throwing him the ball. And he's, it's incredible. Right? I mean, it's it's it really is. And that's where, even if you're giving a huge chunk of your cap to Mahomes, he's going to make everybody better. Andy Reid's going to make everybody better, so it's worth it. Gotcha. Last one, Jonathan. Buy or sell that the Dolphins, who are clearly the worst team in football history, will go 0 16 this season. Bye. I can't see a win. <laughs> who are they I'm sorry. beating? They're not going to beat anybody. I mean, if they were really trying to beat teams and that's what they put out, then I, I can't. Oh, my God. No. Have you yeah. ever been. I, I don't think you have on a team that was this miserable. Not, I mean, this is like a whole oh, time. Yeah, we miserable. were close. San Fran, my last year there, we were like 2 and 14. Oh, that's oh, right. My. Yeah, that's right. You're still there. Yeah. It was brutal. Whoever hired Jimmy Tomasula should be ashamed. <laughs> yeah. And they know who they are. And I've said that to them. You should be ashamed for what you did. Didn't work out well. well uh, who cares? Th- yeah, there was a game where you lost, like, in Buffalo. Man. It's Wait. Tough. Time out. I know you didn't just bring that up. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Losing in Buffalo. <laughs> I mean, that has As to you be said, a like, point, you right? lost to Miami. No, one time, though, we, we went to Arizona, and I think it was the first quarter. It was 10 minutes into the ten minutes left in the first quarter. We were down 21 to nothing off of, like, three pick sixes. <laughs> first three plays were pick sixes. Swear to God. Like, hey, Cap, think you just throw it to the, the right red team? We're the we're the white team today, not the red team. He, he didn't like that. Easy to uh, confuse those things <laughs> at times. Well, anyway, all right, let's take a break. Bobby Peters is going to come back, and Alex is going to ask him why he spent all of his uh, last year writing a book about the Chicago Bears <laughs> offense. I don't know. It's re- It's a really well done. I have it, and uh, he actually gave a copy to Matt Nagy, so Matt Nagy has it too. He can look at his own offense. Um, <laughs> So we're going to talk to Bobby when we come back. He's also a, a high school football coach as well, so he loves the game as we do. We'll talk with him when we return here. You listen to Purple Daily on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. He played good last, you know, Monday night. You know, he, he's very talented. He's, you know, he runs the football well. I think he sees things really well. You, you look at, you know, some of the thumbs up he's doing, you know, where he gets the, the 
coverage he likes or the defense that he likes or gets out of it. Or So I think, you know, he's doing well. You know what, maybe what we should do each week is have Alex Boone give a press conference as if he is Mike Zimmer <laughs> and be like, uh, uh, Coach, uh, what do you think of Mitch Trubisky? And then mm. Alex, you could be like, I'm pissed. <laughs> that's what. I'm not pissed. I love that he sucks. Good me. Well, there you go. I mean, that's right. That's why we might have to do that at some point. <laughs> All right. So he wrote the offensive manual for the 2018 Chicago Bears, literally charted every single play by the Bears, did numbers on it, drew them out, wrote about why they work or don't work. Bobby Peters, uh, one of our favorite guys to have on the show. What's up, Bobby? Uh, not much. Not much. Beautiful day here in uh, Chicagoland area, so I'm feeling good. Okay, uh, here's what I want you to tell us first. How different is the 2019 version so far than what you spent painstaking hours drawing out for in the 2018 version? So week one and week two were very different from 2018, generally speaking. And week three kind of looked more, uh, as far as the play calling for Matt Nagy's concerned, week three looked more on, on par with the 2018 version. Um, he was a lot more multiple in the run game. Um, which served to help a struggling O-line on Monday night to a degree. Um, and the pass game-wise, he was multiple as well. Quick games, play action, screen game, shot plays, all all were present Monday night. So I got to know, out of all the things to do, you're like, you know what, I'm going to stat down every play for the Bears offense of last year, and I'm going to go over it, I'm going to look at it, I'm going to do the analytics. What made you, what, dis- what was your decision go- behind all this? I got to know. So I think part of the reason I grew I, I grew up and I currently live in the Chicagoland area, so I grew up a Clearly. Bears fan. Um, so so that that was part of it. I've also the year before I did a study of McVeigh's offense and Doug Peterson. So um, you know with Matt Nagy coming coming to Chicago, I kind of wanted to delve more into that Andy Reid tree type of offense because I really enjoyed studying the Eagles. Right. Um, so that played a role in it too. And then also as the season went on, I started to realize, you know, Mitch Trubisky. You know, you know, you could see at you know pretty early on last year that he's. Uh, a quarterback with with limitations and the offense was still producing they were still scoring points racking up yards and you know i also coach high school football so from that perspective i was like i need to i need to check out what matt nagy's doing and see if i can learn anything and see what he's doing to help mitch along in his development okay so now here's a question for me um bobby you've taken all this information from matt nagy and i think there's a ton of pressure on him to continue to paint over the weaknesses of his quarterback are people going to figure this out? Are they going to buy the 2018 Chicago Bears offensive manual and be like, oh, I see, that's what's going on? No, but really, I mean, defenses are smart in this league. The NFC North has great defenses. It seems like if you're trying to just paint over someone's weaknesses, that eventually everyone's going to figure out how to handle those. Yeah, I think long term, if, if Mitch Trubisky doesn't develop in you know in the positive direction, I think yeah, that's probably the most likely outcome with this version of the Bears. I mean, you know, you can do anything, you know, you can do a lot of different things schematically, but if you're limited at the quarterback position, um, you know, there's only so far you can go. The ceiling's you know the ceiling's only so high, right? Before before not before long, you're going to start hitting your head on that ceiling. So you said that week one and week two was very drastically different than last season and week three. Would you say the difference between last year and those two weeks was last year they were trying to get the ball as fast as they could to their playmakers in some form or fashion, and then week one and week two they maybe said, hey, maybe we'll let Mitch kind of sit back here a little bit and make some decision-making? Um, I think to a degree that's true. Um, I think in week one Matt Nagy was um, – I don't know if his game plan was very specific to – I mean, obviously every game plan is specific, but it looked like it was even more specific. Like they kind of got away from some of the base stuff that they ran a ton of in 2018. And, um, you know, those concepts 
were the ones that Mitch read relatively well throughout the 2018 season. So a departure from that, kind of focusing on other parts of the offense, um, you know, and, and, and Matt will be the first to admit that he you know, kind of abandoned the running game a little bit too in that, and that didn't really help their case as well, especially with a struggling line. Um, so I think, yeah, I definitely think that's part of it. So, Bobby, last year Cordero Patterson was maybe as good as he's ever been helping the New England Patriots to a Super Bowl. They used him as a playmaker. He was in the backfield. And uh, it, it was kind of, I think a lot of us, even Mike Zimmer, admitted to looking at that situation saying, ah, Belichick and McDaniels figured out the right way to use someone super talented. So far, though, he hasn't really seen the field a lot and hasn't made that many plays. Do you expect that we will see much more Cordero Patterson, or just why hasn't it worked so far? Uh, I'm not sure as to whether we'll see more or less of him. I think there's a lot going on with with that offensive staff right now, trying to figure out what roles for, for, for these guys, and I think They've used Patterson a little bit how New England has. They've kind of tried to use him in more of a truer slot receiver form. I think the first drive he might have had two or three catches um, on some of the RPO concepts they were running uh, Monday night against Washington. Um, another guy that, that's really, I think, going to be the focal point um, as to how far this offense goes or in what direction it goes is is what they do with Tariq Cohen. I think, I think uh, although he's a tremendous route runner out of the backfield, I don't know if he – quite has the nuance to be a successful slot receiver and I think that's part of the reason the offense is I, I don't know if I want to say that's part of the reason it struggled you know in the first two weeks but I think that's part of it I think that a guy like Anthony Miller gives them more reps there why Anthony Miller's not getting more reps there and Tariq Cohen's not kind of doing more of what he did last year where he's running out you know some of their outside zone RPOs from the backfield and running that HB read route out of the backfield and you know occasionally lining up in the slot you know for you know jet sweeps fake jet sweeps and different things of that sort but um but instead, more this year, he's more of like the true slot receiver, and I don't think that, that fits his skill set quite quite as well as it should. Bobby, do you think that a lot of the sloppy play from this team, because I'm not going to say that it's regression. I'm just going to say that it's sloppy play and people catching up with them. Do you think a lot of it has to do with them not playing in the preseason, especially Mitch Trubisky being as young as he is? Um, You know, I, I last year that case could have been made, especially the first year in an offense, but with a full season behind their belt, a full off season, everybody healthy in the off season, part, you know, with the exception of Trey Burton to a degree. Um, but with all those guys playing in the off season and having a year experience in the system, I'm not going to point to that. Um, that could maybe be some rust in week one, but um, you know, and anything after that, I, I can't, I can't use that as an excuse. And um, you know, I mean, with, with that said, you know, that the reasoning for a lot of that is just, you just to keep guys healthy. And it's hard to argue with that. I mean, I think the the number one thing that determines success in the NFL, you know, whether it's a sloppy start or, or or not, but I think overall health is probably the biggest determining factor on who's in the postseason and who makes a run in the postseason. Talking with Bobby Peters, high school coach and author of the 2018 Chicago Bears Complete Offensive Manual, among others, which you can get by just Googling it. It comes right up, and you can buy it and learn a lot about football. Um, so tell me about Mitch Trubisky in the, in the running game, because last year there were times against the Vikings where it looked like he was bottled up and he made big plays. Uh, with his feet to escape and make a throw or to escape and, and get a first down on third down. And, and that really hurt the Vikings, especially in Week 17 last year. So far this year, not really happening. Is that a matter of teams preparing for his legs to be a, a major asset, or is that something schematically different that they're doing? Um, I think schematically a little bit different, but I also think it's Mitch hanging in the pocket a little bit more. I think he's he's more willing to, to get through his reads and um, through these first three weeks, I'm, it's pretty safe to say that the protection hasn't been as good as it was through 16 games last year. 
So I think that's part of the issue too. Is you know if he's not getting rid of the ball right away, you know there's there's pressure, um, you know there's pressure more frequently in his face, and I think that's part of it too. Is he's tr- either a trying to get rid of the ball quicker, or b if he's gonna, you know, either try to scramble or continue going through his progression. That's just it's not as clean as what it was last year. Bobby, I gotta know. Do you see this team being a playoff team this year? Like, obviously, there's a lot of season left to play, and they have a great defense. The offense could easily catch up. They just got to make a few adjustments, clean a few things up. Offensive line is clearly shaky, but it's easily fixable. Do you see this being a playoff team at the end of the year? I think uh, my my first thought when I hear that, when I'm asked that question, is the point that we just discussed: health. If they can keep guys healthy, they certainly have a chance to make a, make the playoffs and make a run in the playoffs. And with that said. Mitch Trubisky has to he has to avoid some of the the mistakes that that he's that he's made and and kind of try to take take his play in this within the system to the next level and being more consistent with his progression, throwing on time, keep it setting his feet, not getting happy feet back there. Um, I I I think long term accuracy, you know, he's not going to be as accurate as some of the top level quarterbacks in the NFL. But with that said, I think that could be mitigated with him playing within the system, throwing on time and and setting his feet, but. Um, health and the development of Mitch Trubisky within the system are probably the two biggest things going forward for this team. Okay, last thing for you, Bobby. Is there anything that you have seen around the league schematically as you track an absurd amount of football tape uh, that stuck out to you so far this year? I mean, we've talked about play-action trends. We've talked about RPOs last offseason and and different things and flavors that offensive coaches can add to what they do. Anything standing out to you so far early in the season? So I've, as long as Jimmy Garoppolo stays healthy, I mean, this is something I've been wanting to do for a few years now, is write a Kyle Shanahan, a complete offensive manual. Um, so watching San Francisco 49er tape, I mean, the things they do in the run game to create angles for their offensive line, getting these backs going downhill um, you know, on, on different types of gap schemes, the way they run their outside zone package and protect it with the play action and, and the, the naked keepers off of it and their screen game, I mean, heck. I've been out of football for, you know, maybe five or six years now, but I think I could line up tomorrow under center in Kyle Shanahan's offense and play with, you know, be in the top half of NFL quarterbacks. Specifically. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Nick Mullins averaging over eight yards per attempt last year with, uh, with Kyle Shanahan. All right, Bobby. Well, I wish uh, your high school team best of luck there in Chicago and uh, enjoy the game and everybody who wants to learn more about football offensive football specifically 2018 chicago bears complete offensive manual you will learn a lot even if you don't like the bears so thanks a lot bobby appreciate your time man thanks for having me on always fun to talk ball yeah for sure did you get your answer alex for why he spent his life tracking uh the chicago bears offense not really i mean (laughs) it sounded like it was kind of a wish wash answer a lot of because he was like you know i just had nothing better to do and a lot was because he was like i want to get better as a coach yes Definitely, well, definitely the, the definitely wants to study the things that the guys at the highest level are doing to get better as as a coach. But I, I could we could ask ourselves the same questions like why did I you know spend the other night looking back at what happened with the Raiders and every play from Irv Smith? Like, come on, it was a terrible game, and I shouldn't do that, but I did anyway. Right. Um, I, I have something I, I want to ask you, uh, Alex. But first, I want to play you a soundbite from. Sure. Teddy Bridgewater. So his speech after his win for the New Orleans Saints against Seattle. Play that right now. Hey, man. I just want y'all to do one thing, man. I'm I'm trying not to ball right now, but, man, cherish this moment, man. Cherish these opportunities that we got. Cherish this feeling of winning and just, man, never take it for granted. Mm. Hey, I'm so speechless, but, man, I'm 
I would I would not have rather been anywhere else than here. Mm. Experiencing this experiencing this right now in this moment with you guys. So man, I appreciate you guys, man, for accepting me. And man, I love y'all, bro. Yeah. Teddy Bridgewater, after he got a win in Seattle, tough place to win. Nobody had won there sure. in September on the road since 2009. Um, you were there at practice when uh, he got hurt. How does that strike you, listening to that? I mean, it's great. Uh, I'm happy to see Teddy back. I was always a big fan of Teddy's. When I first got here, he was one of the first people I met, and he was awesome. He was uh, real down-to-earth and to go through what he went through and to still come out on the other side and go into Seattle and having played in Seattle many times, know how hard that is. I mean, tremendous, tremendous player, person, uh, character. I mean, you want to talk about one of the class acts in the league. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater is definitely one of the class acts. How about what he said there, saying, thank you guys for accepting me? You know, I just yeah. I think it's very typical of him to kind of treat the entire thing like not me and, and the rest right. of you who helped me, but... Us as an entire team. Right, and that's total Teddy. You know, hey, thanks for allowing me to do what I do. You know, he was always the nicest guy when I was around him. And, and I mean, to watch what, what he went through, that was tough. I think it was tough on everybody, too, you know, because he was such a great guy. And his spirits were so high, even when he was in a tough place, that you knew that he was just so mentally tough and he could handle anything. So, like I said, people, you, you know, that's one of those things that they'll never understand. You'll never understand how hard it is to go into Seattle and kick in that door. Mm-hmm. It is so incredibly hard. I mean, I went in there with some of the greatest players in the history of the NFL, and they couldn't do it. And they were like, dude, we don't know what we're doing wrong. <laughs> so for Teddy to go up there, I mean, I remember I was watching the, the highlights of it, and my wife was like, this is incredible. I was like, man, good for Teddy. I think this is awesome. I mean, it's just you, you, can, you can hold your head on that forever. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of his story throughout his entire life of a guy who didn't have it very easy growing up and had a single parent and then had to go through some things dropped in the draft when he clearly should not have and right. and then goes through this injury and I remember talking to his quarterback coach and I just asked him what Teddy was like to coach and he started like choking up talking about how much he enjoyed coaching Teddy and he said at the time no one was sure whether he'd ever play again he said unequivocally he believed that Teddy would be back and would win again in the NFL and I mean the percentage chance on that day where he went down I mean the guy almost lost his leg and now he's back winning I mean it can't be overstated what an incredible story that is even if the rest of this thing it doesn't go well for him or whatever else to come back and do that is truly amazing yeah, I mean, you'll never unsee what, what I saw that day, ever. I mean, it's like, I can vividly remember turning around and being like, what's everybody looking at? And it was just, wow. You'll never unsee that, and now how do I, got, how do I help him? You know, and you're, you talk about going from that to this now and getting the game ball. And I mean, he, he had a chance to go to Miami, and he doesn't go, and he stays in New Orleans, which I thought was brilliant mm-hmm. because a lot of people are like, you know what, Teddy, take the money and run. No, dude, you, you can ruin your career doing something stupid like that and going and making a whim off a lot of money. I thought it was extremely brilliant to stay behind Drew Brees, learn from one of the greatest to ever play the game, one mm-hmm. of the greatest coaches. And, and how weird a fluke injury on Drew Brees that he's out now for about eight weeks. So, Teddy, it's your team to run, and you can go back into free agency. I mean, it's just... The story is going to be incredible to read someday. Alex Boone, Matthew Collar here, Purple Daily. Judd Zolgad joins next. We've got some hot routes. And then everyone's favorite segment at the end of the show where Alex explains all the football things he has said this week. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back. You listen to Purple Daily on Score North. 
caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! Red, red, red! Red falling! Blue poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 dragon smoke. It's Hot Rods on Purple Daily. 5-8-8-3-9-7! Ah, yes, it is that time again for some hot routes. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, Judd Zolgad heard there would be routes and that they would be hot, and he came mm. storming oh, in here, right? You got that right. Oh, yeah, it is uh, it is worth just making noises on the radio. Over. All right, let's it. ramp up the NFL film music and let's <laughs> do it. Let's get right to it, because we've got other things to uh, explain about football from earlier this week. All right, let's start with Case Keenum. Back practicing with Washington after uh, being in a walking boot, and presumably will take over once again as the starting quarterback for them. It has not gone very well for Case Keenum so far. When he is done, and they eventually put in Dwayne Haskins, or I guess Colt McCoy for God knows why, um... How many games is he going to start the rest of his career? Go ahead, Alex. You start us off. You're saying after this year, how many games yep. is he going to start? I'm, I'm going to say, listen, and I, I don't think it's, this is all product of Casey because I think he's great in certain systems, but I don't see him starting a lot of games. And I think a lot of it is because he just looks bad on film. I mean, there's times where the ball just sails mm-hmm. and it's or it's underthrown, and you're like, Casey, what do you do? And the defense just makes it look easy, and you're like, man, listen, and – to his credit, he's taken a lot of hits. He's taken a lot yeah. of pressure from a lot of places, and I get now why Dwayne Haskins isn't playing, because if you put a rookie out there, oh my God, I wouldn't want to see it. I'm going to give him, I'm going to give you an exact number, Matthew Collins. Okay, perfect. I'm going to give you seven. He will have mm. seven more starts because he's going to get one more chance. He won't be in Washington next year, but he's going to be in some other godforsaken place of a team like the Dolphins, who still don't care. He's going to get seven starts, he's going to get hurt again, and then he's going to bounce around the league as a journeyman quarterback, which uh-huh. he will become sure. again. He's already there, I think. Yeah, oh, but, yeah. I, but, I give him, but I give him seven more starts in a godforsaken destination <laughs> that I actually, I feel bad for this guy. I like I him. I want to like him. Right. I'm around there, too, five or six in his career over a span of three or four years after this as a backup, kind of just traveling around. Basically being the Ryan Fitzpatrick, he'll come in for a couple games until it just washes up real quick. Yep. Here's what I think that he goes somewhere else for a team that has a quarterback, and that team's like, oh, hey, he was the backup in Minnesota and proved that he could come in, and then their quarterback immediately gets hurt. He has to play the whole season, and then that will be it for him, not as an NFL player, but as in any situation where he really gets in. So I'm going to say that he plays somewhere between 15 and 20 more games in the NFL because he will somehow make his way back in because someone gets hurt. Uh, Next up. Weirdly, Patrick Mahomes has never played indoors before. How how strange is that? Like, he has never played an indoor stadium in the NFL before. And, of course, he has amazing stats. <clears throat> My touchdown team. Uh, Are you rubbing in on Booney again? Of course Why don't you leave Alex Boone alone? He's I purposefully put this question in because of my touchdown. What's he ever done to you? What has this man ever done? You know what? He's going to come in here and kick your butt for this. Yeah. and uh, well, I can't wait. Anyway. So, uh, I want you guys to tell me this. When we're done with Patrick Mahomes' peak, let's say the next five to seven years is like the real peak of someone's career, where do you think it will stack up in NFL history? Like, Could his peak be better than that of Aaron Rodgers? Could it be better than Steve Young? Who is there any comparison 
for what Pat the best version of Patrick Mahomes can be. Why don't you start, Judd? Um, you know what? I will say because of how he plays the game, because of how the rules are now, uh, because of how offenses are drawn up, I will say no. I think that the peak is if I say, oh, yeah, Steve Young, he's going to stop at Steve Young, I think I could be absolutely wrong. So I'm going to take your question and tell you that Patrick Mahomes is going to do things that will remind us of guys like Steve Young and the greats, but I think in, in the end, provided he stays healthy throughout the course of his career, that he will exceed them because the game is now designed for him to exceed them. What do you think, Alex? I agree 100%. I think that this game is looking for players like this, the Baker Mayfields, the guys that are going to step out of the comfort zone and not just sit in the pocket. They're going to look super good running around, and they're going to throw it with their left hand, or they're going <laughs> to close one eye and look down with the other and throw the ball. I mean, you, I mean you're looking, and, and I agree. Listen, there's there's stats. Or, I've always said the stats are for losers. I think when you're looking at these quarterbacks, they're building these quarterbacks to be runners. They're running around, right? They're creating time for themselves because, listen, the old lines can't keep up, so now you have to move around and create space for yourself. and But accuracy is so important nowadays, too, because if you're not accurate, everyone's going to jump on you, and the defensive players are going to be all over you looking for that ball. So I think that he's going to exceed everybody just because the game has exceeded all expectations, and these players are now just performing at extremely high levels. How long does he keep Andy Reid as his head coach? I mean, as long as Andy Reid is his head coach there, I think – there's no ceiling to this, how how good he can be, especially with the rules that the NFL has implemented today. They want more of this this style right. of offense. I don't see a ceiling for this guy. So I, I, I'm going to say that if he could reach what Steve Young did compared to the era, then it will be easily the best quarterback play of all time. Steve Young led the NFL in quarterback rating six out of seven years in his prime. In the one year... He was dinged up, and he still went 8-3 and three in that season. He led in touchdowns three years in a row, completion percentage year after year after year, and plus he could run, he could make plays. I think if Steve Young hadn't run into the Dallas Cowboys a bunch of times in the playoffs and won two, three, four Super Bowls, then uh, you would have been talking about always him being put up as the number 1 quarterback ever for his peak. Not for the longevity, obviously, because of the right. way his career started but his peak is to me the best peak of all time and i think mahomes can match it topping it would be really really tough so there you have it uh next hot route i want to defend another guy i put this in here specifically to defend my own agenda on this particular player to pat yourself on the back the last question and now yes it's to do it's It's, basically to take a collar agenda what is it purple daily with who me so anyway, this has become more show. snark. <laughs> this has basically become more collar snark, Alex. That's what this has become. All right, so there was a tweet okay. the other day about how Patrick Mahomes almost has as many touchdowns as Troy Aikman. Like right. in and his Troy whole got career. mad. And Troy got mad and said, "Oh, let's see the rings." Uh, <laughs> so here's I, what I, I listen. Here's what I want you, you guys to tell me. This is the okay. hot route, though. How good was Troy Aikman? Um. Boy, I was young when Troy was was hot, but I mean, I remember Troy had a lot of great players around him. I mean, that's an unfair question. When you have Emmett Smith, Michael Irving, one of the best offensive lines, Charles Haley on defense, along with Deion Sanders. I mean, come on, am I really going to keep naming players that are in the Hall of Fame? And you played with all these guys and won all the Super Bowls. I don't think that it was. I mean, don't get me wrong. He was. I mean, that guy was a gunslinger, and he had an arm, a cannon, but. I, I look at those teams and I see a, a lot of other players showing up too. I mean, he was great. He was a great player. He's a Hall of Famer. 
What do you? I'm not sure what the question is. I guess it's. I think that Troy Aikman. Here's why I put this in there. I think he's been criminally underrated because he doesn't have touchdown stats. That everyone looks at him and goes, well, you know, Donovan McNabb's stats are better than Troy Aikman, so McNabb's a better quarterback. And in some ways, Alex, I agree with your previous assessment about how statistics can tell some pretty serious lies. And I think Troy Aikman was a freaking amazing quarterback who had a great team. Certainly, right. so did Steve Young. So did Aaron Rodgers when he was at his absolute best. Their offense had playmakers all over the field. They were great, too. Right. And, I mean, anyone who's ever had great success has had other players around them at quarterback. But anytime they needed big performances in the playoffs, big situations, oh, fourth-quarter comebacks, game-winning drives, this guy would do it. And Clutch. I also watched him beat the Buffalo Bills in two Super Bowls, and I thought, you know what? This guy's pretty damn good at playing quarterback. <laughs> I've got a question, guys. Why? Why? If we're smart sports fans, why do we insist though on comparing Aikman to to today's QB yeah, class? I know. Because the eras were go back and watch that right. football, you guys. It's yeah. not the same game. It, plop Aikman into today, and I can tell you. But he was perfect for for those Cowboy teams, which right. very few teams, <clears throat> perhaps the Vikings, try and do what those Cowboys teams tried to, uh, to do. So I can't compare them because I don't know. What I do know is watching Dallas and Aikman back then, it operated perfectly for what Jimmy Johnson wanted from that blueprint circa 1993. Well, that's and that's what goes back to my Pat Mahomes comment about him. And you were saying, you know, what is his peak? This game has evolved into something completely nobody ever thought it would be. I mean, mm-hmm. quarterbacks back then would be getting mauled today. I mean, I'm sorry. The defensive players are moving way too fast. I mean, everything's kind of caught up to the offense. And now it's like, okay, well, now the defense kind of has a little bit. To me, the defense has the edge. But you talk about players now that can move in the pocket, that can run around, that can extend drives with their legs, can make things happen. I mean, quarterbacks back then weren't like that. I mean, I think of all the quarterbacks back then, and I think of, like, the, uh, you know, Aikman's, I just don't see, I, I think it's an unfair thing, and what he's so mad is he's like, listen, I'm a Hall of Famer. Right. This guy's in his third year. Right. You just compared a third-year player to a Hall of Famer, and while that might be as snarky as possible, and yes, <laughs> you are totally just selling yourself something else, you are kind of right. Yeah, hey, right. listen, I'm a Hall of Famer. Dude's in his third year. You did not just throw my name in the same conversation. Like, I get that dude's incredible, but I'm also really incredible. Like, I get why he's kind of doing that. And knowing Troy, he's probably like, dude, how dare they try and do that to me? Like, yeah. that's just not cool. You know, he's going to be a little butthurt about it. Like, wait, I'm Troy Aikman. <laughs> I'm one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. I was the biggest quarterback. I mean, that dude is a big guy. Big hands, too. Good God, he had big hands. Quarterbacks in the hands. This is ridiculous. Crazy. Uh, what do you think, Jonathan? How are you going to say Aikman stinks? You no, can. no, no, no. If you want, you can. No, I'm not going to say. It. I think Just when this conversation it. comes up these days, it, he gets a little bit too too dinged for the longevity because we have the likes of Brady, Favre, Manning, Breeze, Rivers, all these guys right. who have stayed around for so long. And he got his ass whooped yeah. over his yes, last year's career. I think yep. he gets yes, dinged he a little bit too much for that. So I think he is one of the better quarterbacks to ever play the game. I just don't. He just gets dinged too much for the longevity issues. All right, final hot route here. And then I have a question with Zolgad in to get his take on it. Um, so a Bears player was live streaming himself celebrating from the locker room on Monday night. And uh, why? As, as an offensive lineman would, Kyle Long was changing in the background with no understanding of what was going on in the live Instagram feed and was butt naked in the background. Mm. Uh, I saw. So, <laughs> To that end, I would like you guys to give me a strange or funny locker room incident or 
story. And it doesn't have to include being naked. I but think it the can. former player has to go first. You have he's to gonna go have first. Stories. <laughs> Man, I got a lot of stories. <laughs> yeah, just I, go ahead and tell them. Listen, I can think of one, particularly in Minnesota, where there was a player. I'm not going to name names. I'm not that snitch. Okay. <laughs> I am not that guy. But there was a player walking around naked, sitting in people's lockers. And he was just kind of messing with people, trying to interview people naked. And he was just, you know. Problem was, he might have taken it a little too far. Some of the guys were like, listen, he took it too far. He sat on my chair naked. I'm not cool with this. Like, I'm going to have to go tell the HR. Like, it, it became a big deal in the locker room. Like, we had to settle this as wow. a locker room. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it was like, hey, if any of the coaches find out, this could be a real big deal. Like, we got to keep this hush. And it was, it was tough because keeping the player hush... He was like, "Listen, I don't want to be hushed. I kind of want people to hear me." Like, "No, no, no! Listen, shh, dude. Listen, we're we're going through a lot right now. This is the last thing we need. Like, he'll never do it again. It was a total joke. He ended up doing it again. But I, <laughs> I mean, go figure. A football player, like, I'm not going to do it again. Of course, I'm going to do it again. Oh man, hold on a second. 2016, right? Vikings. Yeah. I'm calling yeah. up the roster right now. Who do you think it was? It can't be that hard because it's got to be a goofball. <laughs> Come on, Collar. Help out here. Well, we if we get this, this right, will, will think, you tell us? I think you might have hinted at this. I don't maybe, know. Maybe you'll have to text. You'll have to text me if I had. Well, maybe I'll text you and see if I've got the right guy. Because okay. you said something in there that tipped me off to one particular player. I but, may have. I may have. But <laughs> I'll, I'll just. I'll just see if I have it in my mind correct or not. Um, well, for me, uh, <laughs> I'll give you one. There was a player. There's a player being interviewed. In uh, in the locker room, but he was doing it by someone else's locker, and the player whose locker it was was trying to stretch out on a foam roller that vibrated. What? <laughs> and huh? so there's no, a, I've seen him. A I've media, seen him. Uh, <laughs> a, Thanks, Alex. There's a media, I had to protect your collar. There's a media scrum. <laughs> there's a media scrum around this player, and it's vibrating during the interview. So he's trying to push down on it, to, so it's not be like like as a guy's laying on the floor, which is just very uncomfortable. And so when everyone walked away. I said to the player, my mom's got that same one in her drawer, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> wow. Not true. My mom's a saint. But your mom listens to the show, She the really way. does. Sorry, mom. Uh, oh, okay, man. I just got really, <laughs> I got so uncomfortable. I, yeah. I never get it's uncomfortable so <laughs> when I got uncomfortable. I'm just pushing away from the mic. Go ahead and talk. He's like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> You're and next. and uh, our colleague Derek Wetmore was there at the same time, and he was like, "Did you really just say that to that guy?" And I'm like, "He thought it was pretty funny." <laughs> Your poor mother. Can I ask who the player was that you said it to? Uh, it was Anthony Harris. Okay. And at the time, he was on the practice squad. I was like, "Whatever." It's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, man, you you won't mind. Quickly. Now Harris and I are tight because of it. He remembers it. Okay. Come on, <laughs> All right. I've got, I've got two very quickly. There was the one in Detroit. This is what five, six, seven years ago. The, the Vikings had had won a game, and Fox took their cameras in, and Ziggy Wolf was addressing the team. And uh, I, I forget. Oh, no. I think it was Childress, Childress, and Vasante Shanko standing in the background, uh-huh. yep. in all his glory. And boy, <laughs> wow! And Vasante, yeah. And let's just say, let's just say that he sent a message to the Twin Cities. <laughs> That didn't embarrass him one bit. This was the opposite. This was like, hell yeah, now it's out there. The perfect name for what happened. And then the worst part was a local paper had a female reporter ask him about it the next day at his locker because it it got, you know, some steam about it being embarrassing. But it's like, really? And she's like, I don't want to ask. I'm like, I don't blame you. I don't want you to ask either. 
The second uh, story is there was a locker room fight at Winter Park one day uh, between, I want to say it was Chester Taylor and Erasmus James. And uh, it got pretty heated. And at one point, Chester went to pick up a locker room chair and throw it at Erasmus. And unfortunately, he he uh, took the chair and put it over his head to throw it and hit Bryant McKinney right in the face. Oh, my God. And McKinney had to go get stitches. And thank God that Chester Taylor and McKinney were like best friends because McKinney obviously could have killed Chester yes. Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. All right. You'd be surprised how many fights are in the locker room, though. A lot. Are, are they broken up quick or are they... Quickly. They okay. have to be. Because okay. if they're not, you don't know how quickly they can escalate and you don't know who else is going to jump in on the fight. So <laughs> as soon as you see two guys going at it, I can think of a fight in my head yep. of two all-pro players that no, you probably could never guess. But this fight got so intense, so fast. Like You blinked and it was like, oh my God, they're going to kill each other. And it was just the entire team trying to pull two guys apart for like an hour. It was crazy. I was told a hockey story one time where a one player got in a fight with another player and threw him into a toilet, and it broke the toilet and also injured the player in a playoff series, and the guy was not the same in the playoff games. So, I, I mean, I guess some of those mysterious injuries might not just be uh, bumps and bruises that come from Sunday's games. So That's true. That's true. Well, you'll know because if you hurt another player, you get suspended now. I mean, oh, really? A, oh, yeah. You can't break a dude's jaw and then, then be like, okay, well, you can play, but he can't. <laughs> right. They're like, they're like, no, you got to go home now for four weeks because you're an idiot. Right. Uh, okay, let's take a break. And, Alex, we've got our list of things that he needs to explain. Yes. Declan and Jonathan. That's how we're going to wrap up the week with him. Uh, Judd and I will be on tomorrow, and it's going to be great. So we're ramping you up to Bears and Vikings. Isn't it always great? It's football. I think so. I love it. More fights. That's what I want. Yes. I, I want more need, confrontations more. in the locker room, and I want names, um, Boone. I want names. <laughs> Put I, names to it. I would like to confirm that I got it right. You did. Oh, okay. <laughs> I knew who the player was. Okay, very he gave It wasn't it away, very hard. He gave it away by accident, and uh, I know who it was. Anyway, all right. So we'll, uh, we'll be right back here. You listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Jonathan Harrison here with this Score North download for this hour, keeping track on the Twins' home run pace. Home run number 300 was hit today. Jonathan Scope hitting a two-run shot in the seventh inning on Thursday against the Tigers, or today against the Tigers, makes it number 300 for the Twins are at 301, becoming the first team in MLB history to hit 300 home runs in a single season. That's been your Score North download. Now back to the final segment today of Purple Daily. All right, we are back for a final segment today of Purple Daily. It'll be me and Judd tomorrow from 2 to 4. Myron Metcalf, what do they say? He's on assignment or something? He's got an other job that he's working for ESPN. I don't know. No one's ever heard of it. Um, So let's wrap up with Alex Boone with things that Declan and Jonathan wanted clarified about Mm. football because Alex uses a lot of football terminology and these guys need explanations. So, what do you got, fellas? All right, Alex. What the hell is a stick route? What's a stick route? I don't know this. I don't know this. It's okay. It's okay. There's no shame. No, Judd, Judd, I'm sorry. We have the segment. I'm sorry. Judd threw up his hands in disgust. Yeah, you probably okay. did too, Alex. Don't pay attention to Judd. My bad. I mean, how would you, Judd, how would you best describe a stick route? Like, it's a stick. I mean, you're looking at it. It's like uh, you're... you're you run it. You run straight. You break off at an angle, and you catch it, and then you just fall down for a first down. I mean, it's like um, it's a t- it's a route run by tight ends. It's a simple route. It's like the simplest route there is. You basically run to a spot beyond the sticks and stop. Yeah, and turn around uh, and they throw you the ball. And, well, that's yeah. neat. 
You fall down. It's first okay. down. It's, yeah. it's like it's the exact route that made uh, Jason Witten famous. Okay, right. It's Thick just route. it's just like a first down machine, especially right. if you have somebody who can get a little bit vertical and they have to give him some room, and then he just stops and they throw him the ball. Mm. I think I did that a lot on Madden, so I think I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, there, there you go. go. Yep. All right, Jonathan, you're up. Uh, you said it today. Why hide? No. Why hide? Why hide? Oh, why this hide. Why hide? Okay. Yeah. All right, hide. let's go. All right, so a why hide would be like on a zone play. Say we were, you could run it on a play action, and, and Collier and I were actually talking about it. I don't know if it was Tuesday or was it last week that we were talking about how their play actions, like their boots, they don't have any hot routes off of it. And then they said, hey, listen, if you throw in a wide hide where the tight end would start it off the ball on the left and he would run to the right as the offensive line ran wide zone to the left, you know, like it kind of looks like a mismatch. Which they did with Irv Smith, and it worked for 26 yards. Boom. So technically, Irv owes Matt and I a lot of thanks because I think that we kind of helped him. Get, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, let's be honest. A joint dude. effort. You don't think that Stefanski wasn't listening? Like, hey, you know what? That's not a bad idea. Why yeah, hide right I, there? And Kyle right now is very upset at both <laughs> because you're taking away you're taking away Kyle's job. That's right. You missed a, you missed that conversation. Oh no, I didn't. <laughs> oh, you missed I, that when we I, talked about people getting upset. I played it two days ago on the air, which you said on a Tuesday or so about Kyle, and it was really interesting. Well, listen. So the why hide would basically you know you're trying to hide your why as he goes across because he's supposed to shoot out the back end of your play action, and he's your quick answer if. Anybody comes off the edge. There you go. All right, Boom. what do you got? Did I hear Okie doped today? <laughs> Okie doped. Oh, is that even a football doped. term, or is that what? What does Okie doped mean? Oh man, if you get Okie doped, it's when the, it, like you said, <laughs> Trevathan looks in and he's like, "Oh my God, you're about to get picked!" And then the guard's like, "No, not me!" And then Trevathan just smokes your quarterback. I mean, that's <laughs> that's about how you get Okie doped. So what happened on that play? <laughs> if uh, anybody saw it, was. Trevathan starts to come toward the quarterback, then turns himself entirely in the direction as if he's going to, what, stunt? And yes. then, so the offensive lineman just freezes, and then Trevathan walks right by him, as it like Declan could have sacked the quarterback. The guard peeled off. Yeah. Okay. yeah. He, peeled oh, he off went inside. Play. Yeah. He went inside because he was like, oh my God, if I'm about to get picked, I need to go back inside. So as soon as Trevathan looked in, the problem is, they used to, when I played for the 49ers, they used to try and do that against guys, and if they did it, they used to call it alley or uh, layup. Because they said the sack was like getting a layup. You know, they'd come up the field like, dude, it's like a layup. So they'd go out there and be like, dude, layup, run it again. They would see this defense trying to do this play. They were like, dude, if you didn't feel like running into someone, you just pretend like it's a twist. And they'll think someone's coming to get them, and then it just makes it a little bit easier. I was like, that's terrible. But, but it, it works. Very much like if you dunk on someone or an easy layup over somebody, it is very yeah. embarrassing. Yeah, it's very bad. embarrassing to be victimized by that. What do you got, Jonathan? Uh, Declan's got some more. I, actually, oh, Declan, I got a few sorry, more here. Go ahead. That's okay. Uh, did I hear traps and whams? Is that is that two things that like uh, piggyback off each other? What are traps and whams, Alex? Tra- traps and whams are considered in the same family. So a trap would be if you're trapping somebody, it would be the three technique, the okay. guy between the guard and the tackle. If you're kicking him out with a polar, that's a trap. A wham is anything that you're trapping the nose tackle. So you can trap him either way. But now here's the deal. If you want to trap a three technique in, you call it crunch. Okay. Boom. Crunch. Boom. Boom. Man. Boom. It's great. Football. Right. This is so great. So, all right. Anything else? I think that I think that's all. Good luck with that touchdown team there, Alex. Good luck. God, Why are you guys doing this to him? That was savage. He's wow. Wow. He just helped you out there. Hit and run. I know. He's trying to know that that's just how explain all of football I was to you. Dunked on during that draft. He mocked you. He didn't mock you once, and then you ripped no. him. I'm sitting in first it's place. Week I'm three. I'm only saying this because oh Alex is in the room. Don't take this, Alex. Come back strong. He's very small and weak. Yeah. Don't take this. It's like like six Declan. 
equal one Alex Boone, okay? <laughs> it's okay. Drew Brees said he's coming six. back within six weeks. We're okay, good. there we yep. go. All right. Th- thank you, <laughs> Thanks, Beckham Alex. and uh, Jonathan, for that. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to get your take, Judd. Yes. I threw it out there on Twitter and got a ton of uh, responses, including some angry bears for even angry bears fans, not literal bears. Um, but for, <laughs> for, for, even, for even throwing it out there, they got mad at this. But I just asked, would you rather be the Vikings or Bears for the next five years? Right now, 1,300 votes, about 70% Vikings, 30% Bears. Which one would you say? I think I'd rather be um, the Vikings because if Cousins does not work, I can move on pretty quickly here. Boom. And I think the Bears are going to feel obligated yes. to try because Trubisky's their guide, and, and they're going to be sort of stuck here in Trubisky land, which could get worse, not better. So solely based on that... I'd probably prefer to be the Vikings because after 2020, I can hit the reset on the quarterback. That was exactly what I said. And not only that... Great minds, Alex. I I think that... I'm thinking a little bit differently, though. I think that Ryan Pace is a ballsy GM. And I think that he's one of these guys that's like, you know what, I'm willing to make a splash. Mitch, if you don't work out this year, it's time to cut the court. Because, Mm. like I said before, father time, there's so many things that are playing into this. You're only going to have a stellar defense for so long. And then guess what? The pendulum swings the other way. And you have to start losing players, and players start dipping down, and then all of a sudden you have a mediocre defense, and you're like, man, we could have done it for like four years there, but we're messing around around with our quarterback. I don't think the GMs have that time to play with anymore. No, I think right. they're looking at it and they're going, dude, it's either him or me. Like I either need to make a decision on him or they're going to make a decision on me. And the truth is, if you don't act like the predator, they'll treat you like the prey in that league. So you better be making decisions. And uh, if they were to move on from Trubisky and get a quarterback who's a little more uh, good at football, then you're talking about a great offensive setup. I mean, with the number yeah. of skill players you have. And here's the thing that's hard for me on this. If the Bears this year go 11-5 and five and their offense is, let's say, 12th in the league, I will be so impressed with Matt Nagy. And, and, I, and I, would yeah. just, I would just have to say, you know what? I'm going to take that guy because offense, if you have a great offense, it's usually more consistent year to year. I'm going to take that guy with an added, better quarterback potentially in the future and those playmakers over a team that is predicated entirely on the defensive side because even if the Bears' defense slips, which it probably won't too much with Khalil Mack there for a long time, even if it slips, I'm still going to have this offensive coordinator who can raise the level of play. Think about this for the Vikings. Let's say the Vikings go 11-5 and this year. Kevin Stefanski's the head coach of some other team probably, right? Because yeah. everybody wants the young offensive mind. And it's hard to maintain, as we saw from year to year, when you're jumping uh, from offensive coordinator to offensive coordinator. Question, though. If mm-hmm. Stefanski leaves this year, does Kubiak go with him? Hmm, that is a good question. I would, I would guess it. no. Say, no, of course, it was kind of. A, I, I wouldn't think that he would leave. I mean, no. Gary Kubiak's made his own name in this league, so for him to like tag his name with Stefanski, boy, that'd be awfully awkward. But I think that if Stefanski does leave, the only thing Zimmer can hang his hat back on will be that he has Kubiak coming back. Because mm-hmm. after that, you are reshuffling the whole. Yep. And and probably one of the only things I agree with Zim on is that it's unfair when these coaches have one hot year they get to leave. Yes. You're right. Yeah. I agree with you. That's you true. should force that guy to stay. No, dude, I'm the boss. You're not the boss. In two years, you could be the boss. Yeah. How about that? Well, but you had your chance. You failed miserably, so now you're here with me. With, <laughs> with, with you're sh- stuck with Zim. With Shermer, <laughs> I, I, old man. With Shermer, I understood letting him go because Pat Shermer is, uh, you know, I mean, he's like a grown man. He's no. Like, 
60 you years can't old let him something. go. I'm sorry, Pat, and I'm sorry, Case, but you guys are really good for this team right now. So you're going to stay right here with this team. All right, Alex, before you go, what's the uh, final there in Chicago on Sunday? Uh, with everything said right now, I say the Vikings. I say they run the ball all over the place. I think that they try to keep this Pop Warner style going one more game, and then they can open up the offense next week. All right, great stuff. Don't follow Alex on Twitter because he's not on there and never will be. Come on, we not, will a chance. Ne- not a chance. We'll be not back a uh, next week, Tuesday and Thursday. Of course, Judd and I will be here on the show. Uh, thanks a lot, Alex. Great stuff this week, man. Guys, you're the best. Thanks so much. All right. Uh, we will catch you tomorrow. Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up next here on Score North. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.